Hola, hola, chulas. It's Dalina, or Dalina, actually. I'm practicing this, everyone. I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Your Latina Nutrition with Dalina. That's me. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation and is meant for educational purposes. We are dietitians, but we are not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're ready to eat without guilt and enjoy cultural foods, apply for a coaching program from today's sponsor, me. I'm currently enrolling clients into my one-on-one -on -one programs, group programs, and I'm also offering a self-paced course for diet culture disruptors. Apply for the program that fits your needs at yourlatinanutrition.com. Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there, everyone. We are oh. so, so, so excited. Hi, Nicola. So we have Nicola here. She is going to be talking about fertility and fat bodies. And we're just like so, so, so excited to have you here. Can you um, introduce yourself? Um, tell us, you know, a little bit about yourself and where everyone can find you. I want to hit them with like your Instagram handle now so that they know <laughs> where to find you. And then at the end, because I think that this is your account is just so amazing. And it's something that Melissa and I, you know, get questions about all the time. And I refer back to you a lot. I mean, a lot of people have downloaded your guide from my end. <laughs> Thank you. That means such a lot. Um, so I'm Nicola Salmon. I am a fat positive fertility coach. And yeah, I do most of my work over on Instagram, which is fat positive fertility. Yay. So tell us, how did you get here? Like what made you start, you know, this fat fertility um, Instagram account? It's a great question. So I'm in a fat body myself. I describe myself as a mid fat. Um, and yeah, I've always been in a bigger body ever since I was you know maybe like nine or ten was the first time I really recognized that my body was bigger than people around me and that was a problem in society you know that was the first time I really realized that oh different bodies that means something that's not good right um the reason that I got into fertility was because I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS when I was 16. And the doctor told me that I wouldn't be able to have kids. So although I wasn't ready to have kids at that point, it definitely impacted a lot around the decisions I made in my life, like my grades, my decisions around sexual partners, you know, like so many things interplayed with that. Um, confidence I had around my body and that trust and the belief that my body was worthy, was lovable, was doing the things it was supposed to be doing. Um, but in the end, I was able to get pregnant. We didn't have any fertility struggles, even though that's what I was anticipating for all of my 20s. And yeah, the reason that I feel that I kind of got drawn into fertility work was because I had that bandwidth and that capacity to then go huh okay well it wasn't hard for me why why wasn't it hard for me and and why do they say it was going to be really hard and why was my pregnancy okay even though I was expecting it to be filled with risk and yeah it really just planted that seed in that question and when my little ones were young I 
really realized how much crap I was talking to myself around my body, around food. And I just did not want to pass that on. I did not want to give my sons this, them to hear all these things that I was talking about myself around. So I quit dieting. And yeah, I was so lucky to come across some folks on Instagram who were doing incredible stuff, just existing in their fat bodies and being okay with it and not having to feel like they had to diet or change their bodies in any way. And I was just like, yes, I want some of this. I want some more of this. Um, and yeah, I was doing work in the fertility world at the time. I was an acupuncturist. I still am. And I realized that nobody was talking about this and nobody was talking about um, the fact that, you know, fat people aren't necessarily unhealthy and it's not just because they're fat that they might have fertility problems. And there's so much diet culture in the fertility world. And I just couldn't stand it anymore. I was just like, oh my God, I've got to do something because people just take on that responsibility. And when you're going through fertility stuff, you've got enough crap on your plate without adding on the extra layer of body shame, body guilt, weight stigma, all that stuff. So yeah, that's why I'm here. It makes so much sense. Yes. It makes so much sense. It's like there was a little yellow brick road <laughs> leading you to this. Almost, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I'm just, oh, I, I just love hearing everything that you said um, and just how like Instagram just kind of like gave you the push. Seeing other fat positive people gave you the push, which is something that I know I talk a lot about with the people I work with is that you need to find people that look like you that that think like you so that you know you don't have this like tunnel hold vision of what health is you need to diversify you know how you think about health and yes diet culture is so persuasive and so many of my clients you know that go through fertility get bombarded with with so much on do this do that like all of these very restrictive diets and so the first question that we have for you is what do you think is the biggest way that diet culture impacts women's views on fertility oh it's a great question and i think there's so many layers that we could talk about and get into i think for fat folks, the biggest one is blame and shame. So making them believe that it's their fault that they can't get pregnant. And if they could just lose weight, you know, like just this super simple thing, you know, just go away and lose X pounds, X kilograms, then your fertility will improve and you'll magically get pregnant. And that is so damaging to folks because it puts the responsibility squarely at their door and makes them believe that they haven't been able to get pregnant thus far because it's their fault. And that not only leads to shame in themselves, it also has this ripple effect of they, they think their partner won't love them anymore because it's their fault. They think they're letting down their parents and their family because it's their fault. And it just has this complete ripple effect into their whole support system because of this belief that it's their responsibility and it's them to blame. And that is so damaging for folks uh, that are going through this. Yeah, like oversimplifies the complexity of what it takes to become pregnant. Um, mm. It's a concert. There is a lot that goes on in the process of becoming pregnant, you know, the, yeah. that goes beyond one size. So yeah, that's really important to say it's, it's more than size. Yeah. Mm. And I think another huge component of it is the fact that when folks believe that their weight will be the cure, 
then they will do anything to get the weight down, right? They will take really extreme measures. And we know that that's detrimental to fertility. We know that's detrimental to their health. We know that's going to possibly lead to so many potential issues to do with mental health, to do with disordered eating, eating disorders. It does not come without these huge risks, but they're not being informed of those risks. They're not able to make that informed decision. They just feel like they have to do everything to get to that goal weight or that goal BMI that they're told. And it's just not acceptable that they're not being given that informed choice or consent in, in this kind of choice that they're told that they don't really have that choice. And beyond that, sometimes I hear from clients a prescription from doctors yes. to lose weight in the process of fertility. So I'm thinking of specific clients who were told to go like a quasi keto keto mm-hmm. road or, mm-hmm. or to do things. So it's really interesting because I think the, the co-signing from the medical community is like, you know, don't be in a bigger body and try to get pregnant, but also don't yeah. actively lose weight because that isn't good either. And people feel like, yep. wait, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> so the, the messaging is so confusing. And it's not a monolith, you know, like we know that folks in higher weight bodies are going to suffer more extreme versions of this. And they may be told to go um, and have surgery. They may be told that, you know, whilst it's not acceptable for you to go and have egg collection for IVF, for example, and put your body into those risks, it's absolutely okay for you to go and have bariatric surgery for you to lose weight. Like the double standard is just unbelievable. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. I, I think the, the biggest one I hear right now from, you know, people that I have close to me or that are working with me is it's the keto, like the keto is it like so many fertility doctors are, are talking about it. And, um, you know, I'm not a fertility specialist. <laughs> I don't, I don't, you know, dabble in that. I don't, act like I know what what's happening over there in the fertility world but I would think from a scientific point of view that that would definitely you know hinder the quality of eggs um, by going so restrictive so can you talk about the research that there is just linking weight and fertility and just um, can you just explain all of this because this is me trying to make a Mm. hypothesis right but I know that you know so much more about this so there's there's no research that supports keto and fertility like the only research we know for the keto diet is through specific forms of epilepsy right like that's the only use it is Um, and in terms of research regarding weight and fertility it's a bit of a battleground because as you can imagine, most of the research is done by folks who are in this diet culture suit, who have biases and beliefs around weight already. So every paper you'll read will start something like, and as we know, you know, being fat or being obese is, you know, really detrimental to your health and unhealthy. So we're going to assume that all these X, Y, Zs about these folks that we're going to look at. Um, And you really have to dig into what the results are, what's missing from a lot of the research in terms of none of the research papers talk about weight cycling, aka kind of yo-yo dieting, or weight stigma, which we both know both of those things impacts chronic inflammation, we know that impacts ovulation, we know that impacts hormones, hormone production, it's been linked to PCOS, endometriosis, you know, there's so many ways that you can see it interplays. And just these kind of two things alone that have nothing to do with people's bodies, the visceral fat on their bodies. It's all to do with how they're treated by medical professionals and the things that we put our bodies through in terms of going on diets repeatedly 
to try and shrink our bodies and make them smaller. So yeah, the research is sparse, unfortunately. There are a few papers that go into like the ethics around it and how it absolutely should not be a thing because it's completely unethical and immoral to start deciding who does and does not get fertility support based on people's size. Um, but yeah, the research that I've done around kind of weight and BMI, there is some research that shows that it takes slightly longer for fat folks to get pregnant. But when I say that to people, they're like, oh yeah, you know, you, you mean like a year, three years, five years, but no, it's two months. Like two months is the amount of time that the researchers found it takes longer. Um, and it absolutely, there's no less fat people getting pregnant. It's just, it takes them that little bit longer. And, you know, it's completely understandable that could be down to dieting, weight stigma, the fact that they're not receiving adequate care from their doctors. Yeah. But when we look at things like IVF, so any kind of intervention, actually when you treat fat folks as human beings and really look at what's going on and start to individualize treatments for them, they respond exactly the same as folks in thinner bodies. They will have exactly the same outcomes, exactly the same pregnancy rates. Um, so yeah, so there really is no reason to deny these folks healthcare, but it's just one of those things that people use as an excuse to be mean to fat folks. I feel yeah. furious listening to you. Like <sighs> it's, and you know, this, this parallel I'm thinking of now is in the research in general, when there's associations mm -hmm. between size and disease, mm -hmm there's sort of this, um, this jump to say, well, like it's, it's inflammation, right? There's, there's some inflammation. There's often some, that's what's said. There's like an association of like, it's inflammation. Always inflammation. And even if that's true, like even we don't have evidence that it's true, but even if it were to be true that the inflammation in folks in bigger bodies is causing this milieu of, of disease mm -hmm. and disorder, mm -hmm. inflammation has, we know many different entry points. Mm -hmm. And so on so many levels, it's flawed. And for folks to be systematically discriminated against or to feel this confusion, it's not right. It's not right. And I guess I'm, I'm wondering, Lena, you might have this question, uh, like, so what do, what do we do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do we is, do? Yeah, that is the next question. But I think before I get to that, I just, I want to ask just something else that just came up. I feel like the infertility rates are not different between body sizes, are there? It's it's the same across the board, right? So there's skinny people with infertility issues. Absolutely. There's fat people with infertility Absolutely. issues. So it's not that because you are fat, you are infertile, right? So like we need to look at this again from an unbiased view, mm -hmm. which is the issue with a lot of the research that's done on fat bodies is that all researchers usually go in with this unconscious bias of that they automatically assume that this that fat people are going to be sicker and we need to again I feel like I find myself when the trolls are coming at me correlation does not equal causation like I, I feel like I she's slamming slamming the table she's slamming the table now it just makes me so angry like it's hard to read scientific papers and then there's people out here that just read the abstract and already say, I, well, I read a peer reviewed paper that said, I'm like, you read the abstract. You make didn't read the whole the thing. <laughs> you can make up anything in the abstract. They sure you, do. Yeah. You can make it fit the narrative that you want to, right? Exactly. And then it's when you dig deep that you look at the data that you're like, oh, wait, wait, wait a second. This, is, this isn't right. <laughs> and it happens so much with the fertility stuff. Like one of the biggest parts of the work is 
doctors will say, okay, well, yeah, maybe we can treat you, but oh my goodness, we couldn't get you pregnant. Like think of the risk to your pregnancy, to your child, to, you know, like all these host of things. And then you dig into the pregnancy research and you realize that, hold up a minute, more than 50% of the research says there's no link. Yet the 30% that shows there is a correlation is the stuff we're using to, to make these assumptions and say that fat folks are, you know, at higher risk of gestational diabetes, hypertension, blah, blah, blah. You know, it just, and then it's a perpetuating circle, right? Because we believe these things are happening, we're looking out for them more, we're having more interventions for fat folks, therefore they're getting higher risk and it just keeps repeating. It's so, it, I know I'm kind of beating this over and over again, but I just can't wrap my head around it still. Like when you read even like lay books, mm. when they're t- walk, the, the takeaway for people, there is none. It's just that like, don't almost like don't do it is the message. Like don't get <laughs> pregnant. Like I, yeah. And, and, you know, for me in a straight size body reading this, I'm like, wait, what's the takeaway? Like, what's the advice? What's mm-hmm. the tangible thing? that a person in a bigger body is supposed to do with all the confusion and misrepresentation of, of this. So I just want to acknowledge to anyone who's in that space mm-hmm. and going through that, like, you're not crazy. Like this, Mm-mm. this, this feels confusing because it has been made confusing and yeah. that is not your fault. Exactly. There's a narrative that they basically just continue to spew. <laughs> and it's like she said, it's like Nicola said, it's just a vicious cycle. Mm, and it's so much fear around it. Like, mm-hmm folks are terrified to get pregnant in bigger bodies because this is what they expect right and Mm -hmm. because pregnancy comes with its own you know like multiple interactions with healthcare providers again people are fearful of that because of the experience they've previously had with medical health providers and Mm -hmm. it's yeah it's we need to find a way to support folks in a really weight neutral weight inclusive supportive environment so that they can have healthy uncomplicated pregnancies like yeah. they've been doing for thousands of years yes because remember when fat was considered a fertility goddesses <laughs> <laughs> yes. are all fat right yes <laughs> that was like the thing right you would pray to the fertility gods you need the Ladies. big hips. yeah they yeah. were not thin <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah i think that I guess, you know, the, the next question that Melissa did bring up before I started banging on the table um, <laughs> was how do you, how do you talk to your doctors and advocate for fat positive care? It's, first of all, I think we need to acknowledge that this is work that people should not have to do. This should not be on your shoulders yes. to do this work. This is not your fault. This should not be your responsibility. It's the systems that are broken and the systems that we need to fix. But, you know, that that's not good for you because it's going to take us longer than like two or three years to fix these systems. And, you know, we know that fertility declines with age. That is something that all the research shows. So, yeah, we need to be learning the skills of advocacy and practicing them because it's not something we're taught. And as women as well, like, we power is taken from us from every avenue so the skills of advocacy can be used in so many situations in work situations healthcare, like any oppressed group learning the skills of advocacy can be so powerful so it will depend on your doctor it will depend on your healthcare provider how these conversations go and it will depend on your energy it will depend on how much emotional energy you have to give to each of these scenarios, each of these situations. So 
I think as well, we have to acknowledge that it's okay if you can't have these conversations because they are difficult. They are challenging. They put you in that kind of stress state, you know, like having a conversation with your boss or, you know, in that kind of stressful situation. So be really gentle with yourself around it. Do what you can when you can. Um, and yeah, the first step is to find a great doctor if you can, like if you have access to seeking different providers, look for someone who's fat positive. I've started to create a list on my blog of fat positive fertility clinics. So see if there's one near you, see if there's one that's covered in your insurance. If not, you can ask in local fat groups. So if you have fat friends or find a way of connecting with other fat folks who may have experienced this, may have some recommendations for you. If you can't find any, or you're pretty happy, happy with the doctor you already have, you can approach the conversation by, first of all, setting your boundaries. So being really clear about what is and isn't okay for you in terms of talking about weight, being weighed, talking about diets, exercise, all those kind of things. And then seeing if you can try and set some boundaries with your doctor. So saying like, I understand that you want to talk about weight, but right now um, that's not a, that's not good for my mental health. You could say like, that's really not something that I want to discuss right now. So what can we talk about in terms of tests and treatments? What can we do as a team to really um, figure out together how we can move forward with this? Something that I often recommend to folks is to, for them to say, I understand that you know weight is the elephant in the room right now. I'm dealing with that. So why don't we now together look at what tests I can do, what treatments we can you know look at. And when I say I'm dealing with that, it doesn't mean that I'm actively losing weight or it doesn't mean that you know you have to go on a diet. It just really takes the focus away from weight loss. It, it kind of reassures them that that's something you're aware of, you know of, and that you are focusing on. You don't have to go into specifics. They can assume what they want about that sentence. You know what you're going to do with that. And then hopefully you can then look at evidence-based practices, which is not weight loss, around you know health promoting behaviors you can do to support your health treatments tests things that you can actively do together as a team so again bringing that team element into it can often help to reset that power dynamic of them the doctor up here telling you what to do and you being the good person just doing what you're told so yeah it's skills it's practice it's practice and it's it can be really hard but yeah the two things that i often tell people are prepare so do the boundary work, have a list of questions, be ready for the appointment and care. So really making sure you're taking care of your mental health afterwards, reflecting on the appointment, seeing what worked well. So prepare and care, just really getting both ends of that in those appointments so that you're looking after your physical and your mental health throughout this process. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, can, can you repeat, sorry, I want you to repeat again the sentence that you used for, for the doctor and saying that you're already working on your weight because I have my clients say something like that, but yours is better. So I want people <laughs> to remember it. <laughs> well, I'm to say exactly the same now. <laughs> so what I'll try and remember. Okay, so what I often ask people to say- There's also a rewind button, but- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but no, no, let's hit the point home here. This isn't live. <laughs> All of that. This is a test. Nicholas memory. Can she repeat the same sentence? 
over again. Oh, no, but I think it's important. <laughs> I think it's important because again, it takes we'll away the, the elephant in the room is gone. Right. Yes. And I love that because I think that that's the biggest thing. They, they can assume what they want to assume, um, yeah. but you're not here for that. This is not what this appointment is about. Yes. This appointment is about my fertility. I'm working on that. And it helps yeah. them check off a box. Yes. And I think there's a, there's different flavors of presentations I hear about within doctors. So sometimes mm-hmm. they truly are the types of the, their personality or the way that they think they are trying to check off a box mm-hmm. because that is within their practice style to be more along the lines of quote standards of care, which mm-hmm. unfortunately systematically speaking, weight loss is part of the standard of care right now, Uh whether we like it or not. Uh And so the phrasing you use, I think is so powerful because you're saying, let me check that box off for you. (laughs) Like, look, (laughs) you do their work (laughs) message received. You set it to me and I, and and now we're going to move on to the next checkbox together. So there is that teamwork spirit that you're offering in that, that example where you're almost coming again, they should be doing this for you. They yes. should be coming alongside you, putting their arm around mm-hmm. you and bringing you to where you should go. Mm-hmm. But this is where you're going to put your arm around them and say, come over here. And then hopefully they put their, your, their arm around you again and say, okay, let's look at this test. Let's look at this mm-hmm. exam. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not fair, but it can be effective. Yeah. And it's again, work we should not have to do. Like our thinner peers don't have to do this work, mm-hmm. but no. If you have the language, if you have, you know, you can even write these words down on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and take them in with you and yeah. read them off the sheet because in that moment it can feel like, oh crap, I don't know what to say. I can't mm-hmm. remember what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, make it as easy as you can for yourself. This isn't an exam. This isn't, you know, you don't have to pass a test to get treatment and support for your fertility. Um, make it as easy as you possibly can for yourself to have these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So yes rewind get that get that sounds free <laughs> I actually <laughs> created a doctor visits guide it's not around fertility but I created a doctor visit guide for folks to use mm-hmm. to kind of just have a little bit of a worksheet to like before you go in what is the most important thing to you what are some phraseology you want to keep in your back pocket um so if folks want to download that that's on my page and other spaces too so mm-hmm. make sure yes. to to reflect a little what you want that visit to be like yes yes I often offer um the card that's uh that's free and accessible now of course I can't remember because I don't have the link in front of me but there's a little card you can print out um I forgot who created it of course now um just Reagan to, Trust- to just Chastain created one yeah it was a yeah it, yeah They're it's something up. on yeah yeah um so yeah, there's definitely ways that you can be prepared so that I get it because, because Melissa knows this, anybody that knows me, I get very angry and emotional. So like, I have to be prepared. <laughs> I can't just walk into the conversation. <laughs> so yes, being prepared could at least help your mental health, if, if not anything else. Yeah, and that's such a big piece of the puzzle, because if you keep going into these appointments time and time again and being knocked back and knocked back, it's going to have such a huge negative impact on your mental health. So we need to take care of that just as much as your physical health. Yes, yes, yes. You're here. So... So yeah, I mean, those were the three questions that, that I really wanted to, to touch upon, but please let us know, is there anything else, resources? I see your book in the background of, of the video. <laughs> no, you guys can see it, but I can. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? And maybe um, we'll put the link to where where our listeners can purchase it and then mm. they can read so more about it. Yeah, it is like a really good intro guide to 
getting pregnant in a fat body, then maybe you've just never seen advice that's not based on weight loss and dieting. It's kind of a combination of my own story. So what I went through as a fat person, like navigating this space, um, some coaching techniques that I use with clients and also some of the research I, um, I share in there to talk about, like, you know, when we start to dig into the research, this is what it looks like. And yeah, so many people have found it really helpful. I self-published it, so there's definitely a few typos in there. But um, yeah, done's better than perfect, right? Like, yeah. just get it out into yeah. the world because no one else was was writing books about it. And I really wanted fat people to have a book that they could pick up and read about fertility that was written for them. So important. Awesome. And truly, your work is a treasure. So many people that I've worked with have just felt a sense of peace knowing that you're out there at least talking about these things and allowing some space for this conversation. So it's wonderful how you are showing up in the world and allowing this conversation to happen because so many people want to have it. Thank you. That really means such a lot because you just sit in this little bubble, right? Like yeah. I'm at home in my tiny little office doing my thing. And yeah, it's just so nice to hear that the work is useful and you know, it's needed. For sure. It is. It is needed. We need we need more of this. We need more positivity. We need to create a safe space for everybody, not just the, the ideal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It's the so, template, the template the, of diet culture. The mold yeah. that has been cut out. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Can you just let our listeners know again, where they can find you on Instagram. We will link all this information in um in the podcast but we want to make sure that everybody goes gives you a follow yeah so i'm over at fat positive fertility on instagram awesome well we can't wait to see you on there soon thank you for spending some time with us today it's awesome to get to know you all right bye everybody Bye. bye Woo, melissa this episode i think i I'm just angry a little bit <laughs> mm. of just how the medical world um, just treats fat bodies. And then, you know, just, ugh, just, I don't know. It angers me, but I'm glad that we had this conversation and I'm glad that Nicola was here um, to discuss and, and dispel a lot of the, the information, bad information that's out there. Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny there's doulas for when you are pregnant that can kind of like help navigate the healthcare system, help keep your values front and center. And I think what she does is almost like a a conception doula. Like she's like there with people to help them make sense of what are your goals? What are your values? What is the medical system telling you? So you can make informed choices. So I really, uh, I hope people will Google her book or we'll try to get it in show notes. Um, I think she just gives such a nice perspective to anyone who's feeling confused about fertility in a bigger body for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And she was just such a breath of fresh air, right? Mm -hmm. Like just, just hearing this information, you know, if you're, if you're going through this, if, if you're, if you're thinking about getting pregnant, just knowing that this isn't your fault, right? That like, if there's something happening, it's usually not your fault, you know, that there's, there's other things that, that play into all of this and the stigma and the shame and the guilt that sometimes gets imposed on you. It, it's, it shouldn't happen. And it's, it's not okay. Yeah. I've had clients in the past who have found that the time of trying to get pregnant does mm-hmm. ratchet up food rules quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. 
you know, if you're going through that, know that it makes sense, right? That's your, your food police is trying mm-hmm. to quote, protect you from mm-hmm. not having the thing you want. Mm-hmm. And that policing can serve to be harmful too. So it's, it is definitely worth uh, having a healed relationship with food. Um, stress is not going to help the situation if no. you're struggling and it makes sense yeah. that you feel that way. So yeah, yeah. really important, yeah. really important. And, you know, just like Nicola said in the in the episode, it's it sucks that you have to be your own advocate and it's okay to to be angry about it. It's okay to kind of like come prepared knowing that you shouldn't be prepared. But I think you could hold space for both and and really, you know, even it, like like Melissa just said, like even if you don't, you know, don't necessarily have a doula, but maybe like have your partner with you. I know it's hard during COVID times, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. maybe in the future, just like having someone that's there with you that can help you again, take the elephant out of the room mm-hmm. um, when it comes to weight and then really- oh, I love that tip she gave yeah. when she's like, yes, I'm, I'm dealing with that. Yep. End, of, end of message. That's all we yep, have to that's know. That's it. You don't, need, you, you don't need to ask me anything else. It's just- Fine, <laughs> sealed, delivered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's... Did I say that right? You did. <laughs> you did. You know, I mess these up all the time. <laughs> so I have this habit too. Sometimes we're saying like, like I say, like at the tip of my seat, which is a blend of at the tip of my tongue and on the edge of my seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my husband's like, say that again. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. I know no, I said it wrong. <laughs> say things off all the time because my language and things get mixed up. So yeah, you have the Spanglish. I have the I move too fast brain is going faster than my tongue can work problem. You, I think have a little bit of that too. Um, yeah. So there's a lot that goes into those metaphor mix-ups. So, sorry guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciated this conversation. Um, it, it also reminded me of our episode with, uh, Sam, the PCOS episode that mm-hmm. we did mm-hmm. where we talked a lot about the lack of research in women's health, mm-hmm. not just reproductive health, but women's health overall, you know, until recently. And, and even still, um, you know, women's health issues were sort of like understudied, uh, <laughs> undervalued. And so I'm, I'm just hopeful that over time, as we start to wake up here, we can get a little bit more information about the complexity of female bodies and what it is that they best need to thrive. Um, Cause we, we definitely have a, a research gap. <sighs> Don't we? Oh, I've, 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 I've like bummed you out today with that last you comment. That sigh, we all felt that. It's the sigh that moved the world. <laughs> it's quite a it's sigh. It's also rainy and like dreary here. Oh, and just like so, our- all right, let's leave it on a, on a happy note. What are you gonna do to be in your drear- dreariness today? Is there something nice you're looking forward to? Um, no. <laughs> She's like gonna wallow in it. Okay, enjoy. Then enjoy wallowing in it. No, um, no. I mean, I get to go visit my parents today, so that's always good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, finally vaccinated. I was gonna say. I know you've been. That's been a big, big struggle for a little while, and so no. I'm glad. I'm glad that, that now they that can we help are out. All, yes, now that we are all vaccinated, um, it feels a little better. Sadly, for our listeners, that may mean the Delina's children no longer make spontaneous appearances. <laughs> Your favorite characters on the episode may be going away, but trust they're that they're, they're, they're happy here. with Abuela. <laughs> mama, with Mama. Mama, Mama. Mama. <laughs> it's yeah. beautiful. All right. Well, thank you all for being here. And please, please, please leave us a review, some stars, and share with everyone that you know if you think this episode will help them.
part of this is for our ego. We do love to know <laughs> that you love the podcast, but part of this is because of the way the internet works. Apparently this helps people find our episodes and we want to help as many women as we can break the diet cycle, be the first in their families, just like we are to stop generational dieting. We want to thank you for being here with us and for being who you are. Peace, love, and break the diet cycle.